Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is brought to you by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. If you are looking for a quality CBD product for a discounted price that does not get you high, is not that gas station crap you're going to buy, but something that's actually going to work, help your appetite, help your anxiety, help you sleep, help with your internal inflammation, you have to go and check out Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Navy SEAL-owned company, owned by William Branham out of Hawaii. That man has earned his spot to be an entrepreneur. And if you guys have not tried CBD or you've tried crappy CBD, it really is a miracle drug. If you take it for 30, 60 days consistently, whether it's oral, whether you're putting topicals on, whether you're taking drops or eating gummies, try it consistently. 30, 60 days, you're going to see all those nagging aches and pains, especially for athletes, weightlifters, jujitsu guys, your neck hurts, your joints hurt. 60 days go by, all of a sudden you run out for a couple of days and those things start to come back and you realize what a great job that actually does for you. So all natural quality product, if you're looking for a discount, go on nicknicknick.com slash links. You will see under our affiliates banner, you can click on that to get your discount to CBD. It will take you to the Naked Warrior Recovery website where you can pick any sort of thing that's growing every day in inventory from uh, greens to melatonin to energy stuff to, to clothing to all kinds of different CBD products that you can pick from that's growing every single day. When you check out, put in promo code AGAME to get 20% off. Also, if you're looking to get involved in real estate on any level, whether you're beginning, you have some funds, you have some time, you're looking to find a way to get involved, you want to start to build up some cash flow, build up some portfolio, eventually fire your boss, whatever it may be. If you're starting out or if you're already in real estate and you're looking to scale up on some way, get into land development, get into multifamily, just pick up the pace somehow, even if you don't know how, reach out, go on nicknick.com, hit me up on any of my social medias or email me at nick at nicknick.com and we can touch base and figure out how to either sell you some properties that are cash flowing or good flicks and flips, buy some properties from you to get some cash in your pocket or find a way to work together and join venture and partner up on some stuff too. So no wrong way to put it together. We can always find a way, but make this the year that you start now to set yourself up good for 2021. Today's episode is a very special episode for me. Since the day I started this podcast, my two initial thoughts were, I would love to talk to Ray Longo and to Matt Serra one day. I just don't want to bother them. They've given me enough time. They've been so good to me over the years. You know, I respect both of them very much. I, I know how busy they are. I know that they have families and they have fighters and they have all these things going on. They have their podcasts. So, you know, I never wanted to bother them. And it was really a big deal for me to be able to get both of them on there and be able to interview them and spend some time with them. And, you know, even just that, that that's a perfect example of why I enjoy doing this podcast because it allows me to connect with people that I don't get to connect with as much. And I have a lot of really cool people in my life that have inspired me and helped me and you know that, that I've learned a lot from personally, professionally, in the gym, out of the gym, on the mats, off the mats, business-wise. And a lot of the times you're not able to really sit down and get an hour one-on-one -on -one and really get to dig in and talk topics and just have a conversation with you know no distractions of gyms and people hitting pads and all these things. So um, I feel very lucky and uh, very fortunate to be able to actually have that opportunity with Ray and with Matt to be able to do that. So 
a big deal. I definitely don't take it lightly. I very much appreciate it. And if you guys don't know who he is, he is one of the most well-known legendary striking coaches in MMA. He is the head of the Cerro Longo fight team. Uh, he runs uh, Law MMA in Garden City, New York, and also obviously collaborates with uh, Matt Serra, BJJ, Serra Jiu-Jitsu. So they have a lot of uh, UFC fighters underneath them, a lot of Bellator fighters, a lot of championship fighters, uh, grapplers, kickboxing champions, boxing champions, uh, you name it. I mean, Chris Weidman, who took out Anderson Silva, Matt Serra, who took out George St. Pierre, Ally Aquinta, who oh, gave Khabib Nurmagomedov one of the best fights he's ever had, Aljamain Sterling, who's about to fight for a title. They have Jenny Nadell, who's a world champion striker. I mean, they have just so many people underneath them. And everybody that is under Ray and under Matt, respect them, love them, care for them, not only as a coach, but as a friend. These are two of the dying breed, as far as I'm concerned, of guys that you do what you say, you say what you do, your word holds integrity. Um, you know, and that seems to be something that's getting lost. And these are two old school guys that I just really love what they represent. I love how they handle themselves. I love the expectation that they put on the people around them and the expectation that they hold themselves. And what you see is what you get with these guys. I remember I was in an elevator with Bruce Buffer in uh, Vegas in one of the fights out there. And uh, he said, I said, hey, man, you know, I, I trained under Matt Saren, Ray Longo. And I think we were out there for one of Wyman's fights. And he was like, man, he's like, I'll tell you, you know, Matt Sarah is one of the funnest, funnest guys I've ever been around. He's like, and Ray Longo is one of the most genuine people I have ever met. And again, I'd always said it before, but you see these guys are in the morning, late at night, out in public or just hanging around the gym. It's who they are. You know, you're you they they don't bullshit. They don't hold things back. They tell it like it is. They're refreshingly and brutally honest. And, uh, you know, I think that's just a hard thing to find these days. And I, I respect it a lot. I envy it a lot. I look up to them a lot. I try and uh, hold myself as a good representation of somebody who's been training under them for a very, very long time and, and obviously trying to associate with myself with them as much as possible because guys like them, guys like Ally Quinta, guys like a lot of my jujitsu friends, I mean, I have literally changed the person I am since I've met them and met the people that I've become friendly with and friends with and associates with from both of their gyms under them. And that really comes from the top down. So anybody who trains anything or has a group like that, that you're you're in close quarters and there's guys putting their blood, sweat and tears and energy on the mats every day and punching each other in the face and really holding themselves accountable. And it's coming down from that leadership perspective of somebody who actually cares and comes off as giving you advice as somebody who's trying to genuinely help you. And it's it doesn't come from a selfish perspective. It's just, it's different and it's very... It's very rare to me. And I know I'm kind of going around the same thing all the time, but I just can't say enough good things about these guys personally and professionally. And I truly believe that the world just needs more Matt Serres and more Ray Longos. And anybody that has spent time with them knows exactly what I mean. So if I am not doing the best job of putting this into uh, into audio over here, feel free to comment and uh, tell these guys how great they are and how much they mean. Because, you know, you see these fighters. I mean, I remember I was texting Ray because he'll go out and people only see him teaching or or coaching like a UFC event every couple of months, you don't realize that they got fighters every week and sometimes multiple fights a week. And I'll see the ring of combat cards or the amateur cards that they're doing in Jersey or, or some of the, the boxing cards or stuff he puts on with Lou Nagley or, or, or whatever it is. And you'll see that there'll be five, six, seven and oh, team Sarah Long goes seven and oh, eight first round finishes, like crazy impressive stuff. They got all these great guys underneath them. Um, Justin, the kid, they got uh, Pumi now. Um, just a lot of different guys in there. And when I see that, and weekend after weekend, sometimes multiple cards in a weekend, they're going almost undefeated or having these like battles and just 
taking win after win and building a name and a reputation to keep that Sarah Longo team fight going. I like to not only congratulate the fighter, but congratulate the coaches, man, because to say that Matt Sarah and Ray Longo are not a massive part of what went into that training mentally, physically to get them there and to get those wins, it's not an accident. You know, you don't have a fight team that's as successful as they are and do something like have almost three of the biggest upsets in sports history from Matt Sarah taking out George St. Pierre, Longo, I'm sorry, uh, Wyman and Silva, and then almost Iaquinta and Khabib. I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. You don't accidentally breed multiple champions that have come with you almost from the beginning. So again, can't say enough things about it. Thank you so much to Ray Longo. It is an absolute pleasure to always talk to him and always talk to Matt and get to pick their brains a little bit. And uh, I know based on the conversation we had on this, he almost felt like he didn't give me enough attention. And I feel like these guys give me plenty and uh, it's just an honor and a privilege as always. So without further ado, give it up for the Godfather, Old Blue Eyes, Ray Longo. All right, my guest today on the A-Game podcast is the owner of Law MMA, head striking coach of the Saralago fight team, head coach of a UFC Hall of Famer, two UFC champions, soon to be a third UFC champion, a multiple Ultimate Fighter contestants, finalists, champions, countless ring of combat champions, kickboxing champions, amateur MMA contenders. You are the co-promoter of the famous ring of combat promotion out in uh, New Jersey. I believe it's in New York now, too. Uh, frequent guest on, uh, I guess, kind of co-host for the Ray Longo Minute on the Attic and Florian podcast. Uh, often featured as a co-host on UFC Unfiltered as a fill-in. You've been seen on the Brooklyn Black Banker, Kevin Can Wait, Love Lies and Larceny. Uh, All-around great guy. The guy that can kick Steven Seagal's ass. Old Blue Eyes himself, the godfather, Ray Longo. Thank you for being on today. Damn, Nick, I got to come on here more often. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, I do. Can we do this next week again? Yeah, anytime you need a confidence booster, I got yeah, you. In case I start feeling <laughs> bad during the week, I'm just going to call you up, man. That's right. When I first heard this podcast, go in, Nikki, you handle yourself great, man. You speak well. And I think what really got me hooked was your interview with Ken Marino, who I, I love. I think the guy is awesome. I didn't even know he was from Long Island. So it was just, it was great to hear that. And, um, it's just I yeah, I support all Long Island guys, whatever the hell they're doing. So that was that was awesome. But uh great to be here. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, man. I didn't know Marino was a Long Island guy either. And then he called me on the phone that day and he asked, and we were we were talking a little bit. But uh right after we did that, I think recently that other movie he did came out. Um, I think it's called The Babysitter or something like that. And he plays like the dad, and he's just like I think Matt was just talking about it, but uh the guy he's popping up everywhere now. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, people are always like, yeah, no, but I love Cam Marino too, man. He's a, he was a great guy. It was cool getting all those guys on. But, yeah, I thought, uh, he was, you know, I thought he was good in that party down I used to like. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought he was really good in that. Those guys pop up in a lot of stuff, man. I have David Wayne coming on. He was the, he co-wrote uh, Role Models with Marino. And like oh, all wow. those guys just, they're behind so many things. And like more stuff's coming up now that they have all these networks and things that are picking up stuff. But you know, it's Pretty good time. I guess pros and cons. It's a good time to have uh, different channels to get things picked up if you're creative. Yes. But there's a lot of things that are also, I guess, on hold on the back burner. So, you know, one of those things. But, you know, speaking of Long Island Pride, I know you're a proud Long Island guy. I'd like to hear a little bit about your background. I know you started out with JKD. I see you doing a lot of the stuff. You do, uh, I forget what it's called, with the with the hands, the... That's uh, like, uh, more more collie, but uh, blend collie, like yeah, wing, I do chun, the wing chun and, like and collie, though, but yeah. I think Kali's a beautiful art, uh, especially today where I don't think anybody fights fair anymore. So it's always <laughs> good to have like a weapons retention art in your back pocket. So uh, 
uh, that's one of those arts that I think is proven the test of time too. So it's, it's for real. And, uh, I think the Filipinos had that shit nailed down. So it's, it's a great art and I got to study with some great people. So all good. Yeah. I think, uh, I was, I did an interview with uh, Eric Paulson and he was oh, yeah. and with Dan and Asano. Oh no, he's huge. Oh, he's, uh, no, Paulson has uh, been around forever, uh, you know, and he, uh, I mean, I remember, I mean, I look, I've been training kickboxers for a long time. I remember Dan at my first school with his wife, Paula, and they were talking about, you know, because I had uh, Mike Ryan, he was a world champion kickboxer, and they actually mentioned Paulson. I didn't know who he was, but they said he was like a good savant guy and good kickboxer. Probably, I'm, 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 I'm going to say this before MMA even was around. Uh, a couple of years before that. So, uh, yeah, Paulson, I, I see him out on uh, out at the fights every so often. He has, I think he, he had Josh Barnett. Yeah. And made, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he, he's a funny guy, man. <laughs> so he's, uh, he likes busting my balls when I see him, but he's always, he's always a lot of fun. He he always goes out of his way to ask about you and Matt every time. Yeah, no, he's always got great things to say. He very, very respectful. He was really good when I went down there. Always tells him to make sure I say, say hi. Yeah, I guess yeah, Barnett no. just fought too, huh? Last yeah, night, I, I, you know, do you know what happened? I know it was a bare knuckle fight. Yeah, he won. He won. He uh, I heard good. complete domination. I heard third round, dropped the guy a few times, beat him up. I saw his face after he looked like he didn't take too much damage. So uh, my buddy Clint Dahl hit me up after though. And he said that Josh totally dominated the guy. No, no, Barnett's a badass. I think he, I think, I don't know. Don't hold me to this. I think he's going to commentate the next ring of combat. Oh, cool. Yeah. That'd be so, awesome. Good yeah. Stuff. I think that'll be great. I think that'll be great for the brand. Yeah, he dude, he's a that guy's great on the mic. He's intelligent, yeah. he's articulate. No, no, he's smart. He's still funny. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, I like the intelligent guys behind there, but it, it wouldn't be uh an, an MMA related podcast if I didn't bring up Khabib and the the fights from Saturday morning or afternoon, whatever it was, man. What a what a great fight, what a great career. What'd you think about that? Uh you know, I'm gonna tell you something. I I picked Gaethje to win. Uh, based on I thought the wrestling would hold up better than it did, uh, and it just was non-existent. But I'm going to say Khabib, for a variety of reasons, is pound for pound the best guy, period, at this point. I mean, he i really impressed with what he did. Uh, look, he, here's the thing, Nick. It's always when you know what a guy's going to do and you still can't stop it, that to me is a guy that – that's greatness, man. Like everybody knows what that guy is going to do. And this guy was a division one wrestler who supposedly could, you know, scramble back to his feet. Great. Shut down. Yeah. Uh, Jiu-jitsu jiu looked non-existent. I don't know if the guy ever did an elbow escape, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not even, I mean, I don't know what I was looking at there, but I, I didn't think he was going to be, I didn't even think it was going to hit that spot, you know, or if it did, he would scramble back up. So man, Khabib, look, the guy, you know, it's not just about, uh, you know, having an undefeated record and being a champion. The guy is a champion in and out of the ring. I think you see it. I mean, it's, it's just refreshing in a day and age where, you know, you can't even get anybody to tell you the truth. We're going into an election, fake news, fake that. This guy's lying. This guy, this is a man of principle, you know, a man of integrity, a man that puts his family first. I don't believe, you know, the almighty dollar is his God. You know what I mean? This is a guy who people should look at. He's a, to me, even when he was doing his interview, was a breath of fresh air, Nick. I mean, this is a guy that if he says he's quitting or he's done retiring and he made a promise to his mother, I have to believe it. I, don't, I do know him a little bit. I have to believe it's 100% true. So, you know, you got one 
one thing in this world that gets your word. Without that, you got you got zero. And I think this guy is a man of his word. And you know, these other guys could make their case for pound for pound, but they can't match him outside of the octagon. And I think that's the difference. You know what I mean? He didn't beat anybody high on cocaine. Uh, he didn't get caught. You know what I'm saying? Like this, it's a yeah, joke yeah, yeah. to even put some of these guys in there. They, you know, when you when you have a personality disorder. You forget all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, that does that never happened in these guys' heads. But so to me, he's a real dude. You get real answers from that guy. You know, nothing, nothing ever crazy. Just you know, and a lot of the foreigners I find that with they're just practical. Even like you know, we have that kid Marab in the gym. He's just a phenomenal guy, and I know you know. Yeah. But I mean, if you ever talk to him about anything, it just gives you practical answers, and you're almost like, "Damn, that seems so easy." You know, yeah. like I think we just complicate everything. You know, so yeah, I thought I can't say enough about about that fight. I think that kid, I that, that might have been the best I've ever seen him. You know what I mean? I mean, he he walked right through that guy, and he got hit with some big shots. He looked like it didn't even have any effect on him. So, you know, complete package. And, you know, with that said, I mean, I, you know, people downplayed a little bit, but what Al Iaquinta did in that fight, yeah, training for, training for a three round fight, Nick, against a beast on 24 hours notice, knowing you got to go five rounds. I, I don't know how anybody can, can look at that and go, man, you got to give it up to that kid. He's tough. He didn't get submitted. He was in shitty position, just like every Nicky, just like everybody else. But I'll tell you, he had his jujitsu squared away with the wrestling, and that was the difference. This guy, you know, uh, Gaethje, uh, he's really got to get on. I, I, I don't know. I didn't see anything that resembled jujitsu to me, you know, once he hit his back. And that was the, the gray area for me. I just thought by, you know, even the way he was saying he was hard to hold down, this and that, and then just, I don't know. That's It, it looked like, again, it was non-existent to me. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a couple of things you said there. First of Marab, what a great guy. Always good energy. Always happy. Always just fun to be around. I definitely want good things for that guy. But exactly like you said, I, I think it also made me, you know, I, I got a, a little teary-eyed watching it. Seeing a guy who never has any emotion like that break down and just understanding everything that was probably on his shoulders emotionally for years, being the champion, the stuff with his father and all these variables, you know, it, it was it was good to see him retire on top, but it almost I almost felt like I was just finally on the Khabib train now. And I was like, man, he is that good. He is this good a guy. And now he's kind of riding off into the sunset, which is good for him. But I, I also didn't want GSP to come back because I want him to go out as Matt's the only guy to really beat his ass. And I want Khabib yeah, yeah, yeah. to do the same thing. So Al can still be his top guy. So I was kind of like, all right, I'm OK with it because I want our guys to be the guys that were known as their toughest test, you know? Yeah, listen, man. I mean, again, uh, you know, we got some big wins in the gym, man. It is crazy, you know, but uh, that'll never get old, Matt, knocking out GSP. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, well, we're, we're going to go into that for sure. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, yeah. One but of the I, things I, you I, said, uh, sorry to cut you off, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go. I, I was thinking of you when I watched that fight because there was a point where when he got on top of Gaethje, and he started looking like he was going to drop back for like an arm bar again. Or I couldn't tell if he was going to go for the triangle. And I was like, no, he's not going to risk being on his back and having this guy screw him. I think there was a lot of time left in the round. And I remember you saying, like, can you imagine the balls of Weidman, the confidence of him dropping back for that leg lock versus Anderson yeah. Silva, knowing that if he misses that, he's on the bottom and him yeah. just not giving a shit. Like, that's confidence. Yeah. And I remember thinking for Khabib to be able to risk that with that much time in there that early in the fight to say, 
I'm willing to risk. He, he had confidence behind that triangle. Like that's, that's balls yeah. to me, you know, willing to give yeah, up that nah. position like that. Yeah. And again, I do remember that. And that, that is a hundred percent with Chris. I mean, and I think the difference is Anderson Silva does have jujitsu. I'm saying when Khabib hit the floor, he, he could feel in three or four seconds. I don't think this guy's got anything. You know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. I think he, I think if he misses that triangle, he gets right back to his feet. He wasn't worried about a thing. I don't think Gaethje wanted to be down there. And uh, I think he felt it. But yeah, with Chris, when he went for that leg lock, and that was something he worked in camp anyway. But um, when he went for it, uh, I, it, it was it was crazy, man, against a guy that was, you know, and again, the greatest, you know, one of the greatest of all times. He just didn't give a shit. And that's the attitude you got to have with a lot of things, you know, even what you do, you got to have the fuck you attitude. Hey, fuck you. want to, you want to box? Fuck you. Let's box. You want to go to the ground? Fuck you. Let's go to the ground. So uh, anywhere that fight was, I think Chris, Chris's head was in the right spot and it was, uh, you know, obviously it worked out good, but sometimes you just gotta, you know, have the F you attitude and just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, your gym, I feel like really instills that you, I think somebody posted something one time, and it was like, I think it was right around Al's fight. And they were like, like law MMA equals short notice equals balls of steel. And like everybody was, I think Tommy Toehold was posting all kinds of stuff, but you really just do have a lot of just that hard Long Island edge to your gym. Even the guys that came in, you know, like Marab from other places, but I know you guys have always prided yourself on, you don't go out looking for other guys. You have your homegrown talent and you really bring them up. And, and there's a lot of loyalty and a lot of relationships and a lot of, uh, a lot of rapport between you and your fighters and your staff and your crew and everything. And I'm seeing more and more, like, I guess the, the girl that fought on the undercard, she, she came down and trained with you guys a little bit. Yeah, I, you, know, you know, I heard about uh, uh, Miranda being there. I think every time she showed up, I was away at a fight, but I think she's been there a couple of times. Cause I think there's sometimes there's a jujitsu tournament in town and I think she stops by, but uh, I don't know anything much more about that, but I, somebody told me that the other day. So. Are, are you seeing more and more guys coming out towards your gym now that, uh, you know, it's, I guess traveling has been a little bit hard, but prior to yeah. that, are, are guys really popping up? Like I know a lot of these other gyms, people are bouncing camp to camp, but I, it seems like nobody really leaves your camp for the most part, but people come yeah. in, get some good cross chain. I know Michael Chandler had been down there. Oh uh, yeah. That was a long time. Chandler, we just, uh, he's been down a couple of times. What a great guy he is, man. I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, he gets to showcase his talents in the UFC. Uh, he's a, what a what a good dude he is. So uh but yeah, no, look, man, I like keeping it keeping it small, keeping it to the guys that are, you know, really that you really have an uh, an emotional attachment to. And if if you ran a hundred guys, it's like a mill. It I, to, to me, I could never do that. Uh and you know, we really you know, every so often we get a couple of guys that come down, but we're not really looking for it. Um somebody had called me about Chandler and I said certainly, and I knew he was a good guy. And then he just was even a better guy when he came down. I, I can't say enough about him. Uh, but we don't really do that too often, believe it or not. You know, we had Elias uh, come down from Canada. They're all, always good guys. They're, you know, if you're not, if you don't have the right attitude, I just think it's definitely the wrong place for you. And you're going to know it really pretty shortly, you know, like after you arrive, you know. Yeah, and I agree. I think guys get weeded out of your gym really quick if they don't fit the mold. You know, you're not you're not going to sit around there there long. It's it's it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting to see how you guys really. You know, I think it shows with you and Matt more than anybody how much you guys actually care about your fighters. You know, and I remember uh, I remember seeing 
It might have been Machida, maybe Vitor, but there was one fight I was at where you guys were coming at. I remember it was you, Matt, Volante, I forget who else, but you were walking into the cage. And for anybody who doesn't believe in like energies and things like that, I remember I went out and I went to slap you on the shoulder like, hey, you know, good luck, Longo. And like the tension between like all you guys going into the cage, you could just tell how much emotion was going in there for your fighter. And then he won. Yeah. And I remember on the way back, I slapped you guys on the way back. And it was like the energy was Matt's like floating around behind you. He's telling jokes. And it was just, it was interesting to me to see like, and I remember Velate said something about it. He's like, oh man, he's like, I'd rather be in there. He's like, I'm like a mama cub when Chris fights. I, I get all um, emotional about it, you know? And I've seen from the coach's side, there's probably a lot of pressure on you internally. I know you put a lot on yourself because you really care about your guys. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. It's funny because um, when that doesn't happen, that's when I'll get out of the sport. You know what I mean? It has to be there for me because it's what drives me anyway. Uh, and I love the pressure and I love that, that feeling. Uh, so I, if that, if I, if, if it, if any other way, I'm telling you, I, I'd be ineffective, I believe. But you know, it's funny, like what Volante said, there was one time and I want to, I might be a little off on this, but me and Matt had to split up probably the first time. I think Muller was fighting for a championship in ring of combat. And I want to say, Oh, who's the Gracie? It was crazy that used to uh, had the school. No, no, the school in Valley Stream or wherever. Oh, uh, come on, know. no, come on, you know who? Oh, how am I gonna blow this? Uh, Rodrigo, come on. Oh, oh, oh Rodrigo, okay, 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 okay. You know, fucking bonkers. Rodrigo, I think was <laughs> fighting in Hawaii, so Matt had to go with him, and uh, called me from Hawaii after the fight. He goes, dude, is this what you go through every <laughs> freaking fight? He said he was like a. He was a he's sweating his balls off. He was a, a, a fucking wreck with that. He goes, yeah, I go, that's it, man. You know, because when I'm like, come on, man. It's like when you like somebody, you know what I mean? Like you, and especially if things are going south, you just want the best for him anyway. And, you know, even that thing with Weidman with that, you know, punch a hole in his chest with uh, Anderson Silva, that was more like I thought he was getting disrespected. You know what I mean? I almost felt like it was a street fight at that point. I'm like, you know, it just... We had talked about, like, before that fight, look, his head's going to be elusive, so put a bullseye on his chest. So it wasn't like that came out of nowhere. But what you saw was put a bullseye on his chest with the emotion of this guy's a motherfucker, and then it became, I want you to punch a fucking hole through his chest. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was, And it, 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 people might think what it was, you know, whatever they want with that, but it was more, that was my emotion of taking something that we had spoke spoke about and just, you know, bringing it right back to the fucking street. You know what I mean? Cause that's the way it felt, man. I was like this, you know, he did something, he mimicked them. Uh, but I was like, wow, this guy's a, this guy's, this guy's a cocksucker, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I think people don't realize that that was actually technical advice. He knew what yeah. you meant by that. You guys knew that yeah. you, you know how to communicate really well with your fighters, which is a whole other thing. I definitely want to talk about, but you know, I always try and relate things back to, you know, business and stuff that can, can be across the board. And I know for you running a team, having fighters and stuff under you, sometimes there's different personalities, there's conflicting opinions and things like that, just like with any business, but yeah. I never see it with you and Matt. And one of the things that I always love is, is you guys, whenever each other are not around, Matt's pulling me aside giving me compliments about you when he's not around, you're pulling aside, giving compliments yeah. to him. You know, I know even after, after Weidman won, we went down to the gym and he was like, guys, you know, I'm happy for, for Weidman. Of course. He's like, but I'm really happy for Longo. He's like, you know, he takes two guys, homegrown talent, you know, they shocked the world. And I just love the way you guys support each other. 
what do you attribute to having such a successful personal and professional relationship that's been so healthy for so long? Because I mean, you guys, you definitely have a, a good back and forth. You bust each other's balls, yeah. but it, there's a respect there that I don't see a lot. Most of the time when somebody's spending so much time personally and professionally intertwined, especially in something like fighting, where there's emotions that are high and low, it just seems like you guys are the, the perfect fit. And it, it seems rare. How do you how do you keep that going like that? Uh, I'll tell you one thing. First off, he's a good guy. That's the first thing. He is a good guy. And what you said, he's almost, you know, as I got older, he's getting a little overprotective, of me, <laughs> which is getting, it's getting a little fucking creepy. But just to, to address the business side, I'll go back to that. But to address the business side, uh, you know, look, we made the decision a long time ago. We just spoke about it last week. You know, look, I, I, when you're around for a long time and if you haven't learned this yet, you will eventually that you can't mix business and pleasure together sometimes. So I knew if we did something together, together, like a school, they, it could it could end the friendship. And at that point, I said, look, man, I value the friendship more than I don't, I don't really care about the money or anything else it could bring. So, you know, I've seen families split up. I've seen best friends split up. It never it never gets worked out. There's always something. There's two sides of the story. But I think if, you know, the if you could separate it, it, that's always the best if there was a way to do it. And I think that that was one of the keys with me and Matt, because it's hard. Look, Nick, it's hard to have anything last for 20, 25, 30 years. I don't care if it's a marriage, it's this, it's that. So it, this was this was crazy, you know. And when I did the thing with Weidman, I was already like 50. And I'm like, you know what, man, I, nothing could go wrong because I'm not emotionally invested. You know, like, again, like I want to help Chris, like if that's what it takes. Like I, I had a different mindset. I wasn't 30. I wasn't looking to conquer the world. I was secure what I had. And I said, you know what, this will be fun. And I'll never, no matter what happens, I'll try never to let anything get in the way. And so I was, I was at a different space in my head at that point where I understand what I'm doing is going against like what I'm doing. But at this point in my life, I knew that I'm pretty easy going, you know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing was going to, was going to interfere with that. And, you know, so everything is on a case by case basis, but I, I do think like, again, sometimes you got to put friendship before business and like, it, it, I'm sure, you know, cases where where it happens. But getting back to that, you know, as I got older, I think he really is even with this <laughs> COVID. I know I know for a fact, like he told Aljo, like Aljo's fight. With, don't know. Don't, don't ask him to hold because he'll hold for you. Don't do you know, because everything was very serious. Now he's not taking it serious. I don't even think he gives much of a shit about <laughs> anything. You know what I mean? But back then and I was like, it was a little weird. Like I'm going in because I would hold. You know what I mean? I put a mask on or a shield or whatever I still do. Uh, but yeah, he's funny, man. He's funny with that stuff. But I think because we had such loyalty between us, he kind of demands that from everybody and things are changing. Right? And and as he's gotten older, he's seeing it, you know, and I've been, I've obviously, I got 15 years on him. So uh, I said, you know, Matt, it's not, not, sometimes it's just not the way it used to be, man, you know, that was then and this is now and things do change a little bit. But I mean, the loyalty that that he's always had for me and me for him, I think, is unparalleled. And I'm just happy we're still friends after all this time. And it is it's it's a, it's crazy, but that's the way it should be. And that that's part of that whole story. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I agree, man. I, I think that there's more way more cases than not. They you know, my friend always says you got to plan the divorce first. 
any type of relationship, business, or anytime it's mixed. I remember you told me, you were like, hey, man, half of all marriages end in divorce and the other half end in death. I don't know if I said that, but I will tell you this. You know, <laughs> if you've ever been divorced, I know guys have told me, you know, next time I'm just going to find somebody I hate and buy him a house. <laughs> but uh yeah nice. but i i love what you guys have going together you know and uh i i do like the loyalty and i do agree that it's even just what i'm seeing in gyms in general and, and just the business in general things have changed but i do love and i think it's a huge piece of martial arts just growing up with that loyalty and learning how to be loyal to another person and that your word is really important and loyalty has a lot to do with it and you know if if eventually guys you know, they've been training for a while, they've been fighting for a while, and then they go other places. But, you know, I think those fundamentals are a really important part of growing up, whether it's jiu-jitsu, wrestling, JKD, whatever. Yeah. I think that's something that really helped me, which I'm sure you'll see a lot of people in your gym, just find a better path and, and find better values and morals that you might not have listened to. Or, you know, like you say something to me, it, was, it never came across as anything but for my own best interest. Versus like a teacher who just do this because I said so. You know, I think being around guys like you and guys like Matt and guys like Gabbert, you were taught like to do things a certain way and act a certain way. And it was just yeah. because you you commanded that respect, but you showed that same respect back. And that carried over into business and to other things I did that I learned from a gym, which other people look at it as, you know, a bunch of meatheads beating each other no, up. But yeah, yeah. really, it, it taught me more than any other business course that I paid, you know, tens of thousands yeah. of dollars for. I learned more on those maps with you and Matt, you know? Yeah, that's that's really nice to know. Look, I mean, look, look at the other things I've done. This I wouldn't recommend to anybody in <laughs> business, but you know, I never had a contract with anybody. Uh, you know, like you're in real estate, you know, I had a couple of leases. I didn't even, you know, why am I signing? I'm telling you what I'm going to do. And I remember a lawyer telling me, dude, you're, just, you're, at, you're, you're out of your mind. I go, the guy's not going to do anything. Trust me. Everything's, you know, if we can all just operate on our word and honesty, which is, I, I want to, I hate to say it, it's probably impossible, but you would eliminate a lot of bullshit, man. It really, it really, uh, it, it really would, you know? So, you know, I have no lease now at the gym because the lease expired, but I remember oh. the lawyer goes, I don't know what it is with you, man, but there's a, there's a guy nobody trusts, but for some reason he trusts you. I go, look, I'm not going to, if I tell him I'm going to, I'm going to do exactly what I tell him I'm going to do. It's not going to be any different. And if it doesn't work out for me, I'm sucking it up, even if it's financial and I'll do it, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But uh, it's nice sometimes when a guy gives you his word, you actually believe it. You know what I mean? And that that's something that's rare today. But, uh, man, I think everybody would be so much better off if, you know, you could surround yourself with those type of people, you know. I, I agree a thousand percent. You know, touching on that, when are we going to get a reality show for Longo and Sarah? Man, you know, look, we've done probably uh, three or four pilots that they just never went. You know what I mean? The last one was done by the guy that just did, you know, Fight Island, uh, you know, that documentary and he shoots the looking for a fight. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, never. Uh, he shot it. And that was a good one. That was with everybody. They were going to follow the fighters around to give them a real look at what goes on, win or lose. It was right before Aljo lost that fight to Marais, which, you know, like, again, from their standpoint, would have made good television to see how Aljo dealt with a loss. And look, in hindsight, it would have been great to chronicle that whole thing because look where he is now. So uh, yeah. we did shoot a couple. It never, it never got picked up. You know what I mean? You got to, you know, it, it's not as easy as people think, but I tell you, 
you know, Matt's really comfortable in front of the camera. And I mean, he's pretty, his shit with that show is fucking funny. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is, uh, you know, look, I find him funny to begin with. So it's always going to be, no matter what he does, I'll probably laugh, but he's funny, man. That, that last thing they did, <laughs> when he, he's dressed up, you know, in the uh, outfit and his head, his head pieces. <laughs> like that's not even like, it's not fake. It's just real and it's happening. And <laughs> he's sticking his fingers in the food, he's <laughs> stepping on the potatoes. And, you know, he's like a look like a two year old eating after they get done. You know what I mean, but you can't make that shit up. I think I think he's not long for for something because somebody's got to look at that and pick him up. <laughs> I think he's hysterical. No, he's hilarious. That specifically, I was sending that around to everybody. I, I was yeah. laughing my ass off watching it and then watching him laugh more. Like even when oh, I, yeah. I went on with, with Cooper on his podcast yeah. and when they were getting ready, he knocked something over and spilled something and immediately oh, yeah. turned around and Jimmy just gave him the look and Matt like turned red and started laughing and everybody in the whole studio yeah. started laughing. Like he just has that infectious stuff. But yeah, as yeah. funny as he is, you two together is the best. That combo is just hysterical the way that you guys just fuck with each other. And, you know, it's it's funny, man. Every time you see people talking about the Ray Longo, Matt, Sarah Corner, or anybody that knows you guys on interviews, they all, I mean, it comes up every time you hear one of your names come up is, those guys need a reality show. I feel like somebody's got to grab onto it soon. <laughs> I tell you what, yeah, I find that hard to believe because normally all those uh, instances, I'm getting tortured by the guy. So, <laughs> you know, <that's> a, <laughs> I don't even have the energy for him anymore, I'll tell you. But uh, no, nah, it's, it's always good. The cornering is always great, though. Uh, you know, I couldn't do, I wouldn't be where I am without him. So, uh, it come, we come as a package together, even though now we're starting to split up a little bit because with this crazy time and who it's just the quarantine for a week, who's got the time. So, you it's know, nuts. it's so nuts right now. Speaking of mentoring and cornering, one thing I said earlier was your, your advice always comes off as sincere. I always feel like, uh, what you're saying is, you choose your words very well. I almost think of you like Silent Bob, like, you know, I'll zip around the gym yeah. and every now and then, like, I remember when I was getting ready for the Golden Gloves and every time I felt like I needed some sort of advice, it was almost like you could read my mind and knew what I needed to hear and say yeah. that. And I've, I've watched you do that. And, uh, you know, I quote you a lot or, or I, I, I mention you a lot on my podcast because there's so many times when I've worked with coaches and mentors and they don't know how to adapt to what I need to learn or just different personality types different styles of learning. And I, I don't know if you said it or somebody said it about you, but you're very good at knowing what to say to your fighter to get the best out of them. And I feel like really that's what the epitome of a great coach is, is knowing how to get the best out of somebody. And I've watched you in the same five minutes. You said something to me and I went out and like immediately I was like, that's good advice. And I went and I, I think I was forming to be or somebody. And then you turned around to, I think, Bowman and you handled him in a, in a much more like direct way. And then like five minutes later, I think McKenna or somebody came over and was like all up in his head. And you came over to him and like almost like a fatherly figure. And I just watched you have say almost the same thing, but in three completely different ways based on what you read off of that person. And they all took it off and went and it, it worked for what they all did the next round. And I was like, man, that's a great coach. Like you really knew how to read them and give them what they needed and not overcomplicate it. Almost like you said with morale, when he just gives you the simplistic answer, yeah. have you yeah. always been like that? Or did that come from years of coaching and just learning, saying the wrong thing? Or how did that come about? Cause you definitely have a gift for it. Well, I think it's, you know, look, it's gotta be part of how I was brought up. 
and my personality. And I, I watched my old man. He was always helping people. He's very encouraging. I think so. Even there was a, an article written about me in a newsday. And then there were kids that I went to like grammar school with or junior high with that said, you know, that's what brings it up is like his father was always so, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Positive with the people in the, it was like, he was a guy that was doing the same thing. So I guess I, that's the first time I had seen that. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool, man. So, you know, I probably got some of those traits, but the three guys you just mentioned, I couldn't think of three totally different people. <laughs> Bowman, McKenna, and yourself. <laughs> I can't even, I thank God I was young. I think I might break at this point with, uh, <laughs> Those are three, those two guys were totally different than most people, you know. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad you got to witness that. That might never happen again. That was I'm impressive, like, though, man. It was yeah. definitely impressive. But uh, yeah, you know, you really know how to pick that stuff. And I think even even Corey D'Ambra, I told him I'd give him a shout out with you, but he didn't want me to bring his name up with Matt. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Corey oh. D'Ambra. Remember Corey? Oh, man. Yeah, I do remember him. Yeah, he, he came down and he was telling me how he went in there. And, and I guess he he got very nervous and you were holding the pads for him. And I guess you sensed it on him. And he said, man, Longo just told me to stop. And he was like, look, everybody has insecurities. It doesn't show up anywhere more than during a fight. Like, so yeah, oh, like, yeah, just relax. You're not going to be the yeah. best. You're not going to be the worst. And you, you, you said some words and he said, immediately, all that shit I had in my head just dropped. And we just worked out and I was able to. Now listen to what he was teaching instead of, so just things like that. Like, you know, I have a lot of stories from people that say, man, Longo just said this thing to me and it just clicked. And then I was able to go about my business and, and really go to work and do what I needed to do. And I, obviously that plays a huge role in you being such a successful cornerman. Yeah. I think, look, I, I look, I don't, people, I think the other thing is you don't want to bullshit anybody. Right. I mean, honesty, I think has to, if you bullshit somebody once, they're never going to believe you again. You know what I mean? So, uh, even Chris's last fight, I think when I got out of the ring, we got out of the octagon after he won. Uh, Shelby said, man, you won that fight for him. Because, you know, I was like, hey, dude, this is, you know, like unacceptable and, you know, blah, whatever the hell they said to him. But I remember Shelby saying that. And I, I'm like, look, and I and honestly, man, I don't think I'm winning anything for anybody. I'm not talking like that. But I do, do think you have to keep it real. Or, or people will read through that and go, I don't know. You know, it's just, I, how can I believe that? You told me that the last time or, you know, anything I say now, I, even if it's wrong, I honestly believe it. Like, I'm not going to tell you something I don't believe. And even if you're behind in a fight, I really believe my guys could always pull it out. And I'm, I, I don't think I could coach any other way, you know, or uh, it just, it'll come across as insincere, you know? So there's guys like me and Matt have this discussion all the time. There's guys like, he can't be in the corner if he's not emotionally attached. He doesn't want to be there. Like, so what he's, he's going to be no good because it's not just the technical advice. You have to know that people are around you, right? You know, like when you win, uh, you got people to hoist you up on your shoulders. You know, we always have the same when you lose, you have a safety net to catch you. Uh, it's got to suck if you lose and there's nobody to turn to, you know what I mean? But Win or lose, man, We're, everybody's, I don't know if I want to use the word family, but everybody's together. Friend, it has nothing to do with anything, man. Just go out and do the best you can. It says literally nobody's going to look at you any worse. Now, if you quit, that's a different story when we know you could have did something. But 
if you just do the best you can, man, it's real. That's really all you could do is I want to be the best I could be in on this night. And whatever happens, happens. There's going to be people that are better than you, sure. But if you did your best, you walk away from that a winner. That's that's my honest opinion about that. I think most of the guys do that, you know. Yeah, most of the guys in your roster, they they bring their A game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they bring the A game. I like it. Yeah, full I, full I, circle. There you I go. There you go. I gotta do this more often. I'm really feeling good about myself right now. <laughs> no, so if if that was anything, we're gonna lead now into the three big fights. If, so this should definitely make you feel good. Yeah, yeah. You are the uh, the proud head coach of two of, I think one of them is still the biggest upset in sports betting history with Matt Serra yeah. and George St. Pierre. And then you have uh, Chris was a huge underdog, Chris Weidman versus Anderson Silva twice. Uh, you know, I had the privilege of being a both of those. And then yeah. we had Ayakinta and Khabib, which was just amazing. So, you know, I've, I've heard all these stories from the from this, the side of the fighter, you know, Matt's talked about it. I've talked to Chris about it. You know, I, I was lucky enough to be there with him for a lot of that stuff. And, you know, even Matt's fight, I remember the second fight he had with St. Pierre, I intentionally tried to take that, uh, the amateur fight that time, because we were all training around the same time and the energy in the gym. I was like, man, just to be around this and watch out what guy's training for a fight like that. Like, when are you ever going to get that experience again? So that was really, really cool to just be around and see how you guys were preparing for that. And I remember going down to Huntington at like midnight because that's when he was going to be fighting. And it was just a cool experience. But from the coach's side of it, you know, I know you have to have a lot of self-belief in, in what you're doing and your training and that you're doing the right things for your fighter. So what was that whole Sarah experience for you on that first fight? Yeah, look. Don't forget to jump on www.nicknicknick.com to see all the different ways we can get together and start doing some real estate for the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021. And more importantly, if you want a copy of our free ebook, How the Coronavirus Has Changed Real Estate, What Every Investor Needs to Know in This Market, on nicknicknick.com, click on Get My Free Ebook, and you will get sent a free digital copy of our book about how you need to change your business and how the business has changed as far as investing in real estate over this last year. Nice, quick, easy read. Get you some good fundamentals, some good foundations on there. Uh, costs a little bit of money if you get it on Amazon, but you can get it free through our site. So don't forget to check it out. Jump on there and also touch base with us to see how we can start to help you with any of your real estate needs and wants to get this year off and running with some good cash flow and some good assets in your books. Yeah, look, you know, it's funny you brought that up about midnight because that's a I think that's a key point. So, he, dude, he was such a big underdog. And I couldn't even do an interview where I said, you know, Matt's, you know, he's not that easy. People, they'd start laughing. We'd have to stop the interview. I'm like, are you, are you guys fucking with me? Like, you think this guy's invincible? Like, I, that, Nick, I think well, that's never going to be in my head. Nobody. You know, it's just I, I they, the, the, the reactions I was getting was insanity. And I always, I don't know if you heard this story, but when Matt, when Joe Rogan had that talk show of MMA and when Matt went on, he's in the green room and he hears, <laughs> he hears Rogan and Dana talking about how he's going to get jailed. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's think about a guy, like, you know how grounded you have to be to eat that shit up and act like nothing's going on and don't even give a shit. So I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. So Matt goes out there and he goes, you know, Matt, he's going to fucking call you out on anything. He don't <laughs> give a, he don't give a fuck. Right. So Matt goes, you guys really think I'm going to get fucking killed? And then, you know, obviously everybody wants to be diplomatic. And I think Joe goes, well, you know, it's just that you opened up another school and, you know, I don't know if, you know, just the time at the time to train and that type of shit. And that's the key. Like, so 
technically they have some sort of, okay, they have a thought process that he's too overwhelmed with the schools. He's got to get them going. What they don't know is that we're not bound by, you got to be here between four and five in the afternoon. You know, midnight, let's do it. Like they, we didn't give a shit when we were training. And you're right. They were a lot of times when those training sessions were late for whatever the reason was, but we, there was, you know, we were so close. It didn't matter. We were getting the training in no matter when we had to do it. You know what I mean? And people aren't used to that. They're used to, well, he's going to have to be, you know, at Couture's between four and five, because that's when they have the sparring. No, that, that, that wasn't us. One day it could be midnight. The next day it could be three in the afternoon. It didn't matter. We were going to do whatever it took to get the training in to win that fight. It didn't matter. Timing wise, it didn't matter, you know, what time you train. So I, that's funny you brought that up because a lot of people, I don't even think believe that, that we would be in the gym till like one o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, luckily that did, it all worked out. And I don't know, man, I start to think that I'm thriving on when people tell me something can't be done or your guy can't do this. I just think, dude, I don't think there's a, for me, I don't think there's a better motivator. I, I might almost need that. You know, when I, I think I don't do good, when they say, oh, that guy's definitely going to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I like I like it the other way because I think it gives you the extra, you know, motivation to just keep pushing and prove everybody wrong. I, I, I personally like that. I, I agree a thousand percent. I was going into, like, I'm going into like synergy where in my Sarah BJJ certain yeah. people would be like, oh, Matt Sarah's going to get his ass kicked. You know, I'll bet you a thousand bucks. He doesn't. And I'm like, can I just get a fucking protein shake, dude? Like, get yeah, out of my yeah. face. You know, like, um, why do people feel the need to say that? You know what I mean? It's like writing something shitty on Instagram or Facebook. Like, you wake up in the morning, that's what you want to do. Just negativity from the from the beginning to the end of your day. Think how miserable of an existence that's got to be for these guys. Like, you feel good really writing something shitty about somebody? Does that make you feel like, what is the even the, the purpose of that? You know, so... Like somebody, like even like I get criticism about, you know, Jenny's always going, how the fuck? I just can't believe the way you deal with like, I don't even know the guy. Why would I give a shit what he says? Like, you know, <laughs> but this, this social media really just opened the door for every nitwit that was contained at one point to now be set free. And like, you know, you go back and the guy's got 12 followers, like, <laughs> who the, I think you, you, you got to be kidding me. Like, I just, I don't, I, I swear to God, I don't get it. I don't get social media to begin with, but when it gets to that level, I'm like, wow, this is this is a guy that nobody gives a shit if he's dead or alive. But yet he has he really wants to tell you you suck or you're fat or you, you know, you're just, it, it, it's um, it's actually <laughs> remarkable to me. You know what I mean? And again, of course, you know, free of any retaliation because you don't know who they are and. It's always on, you know, like uh, some stupid name they came up with. You know, they're in, they're living in their own, their own, you know, reality. Man, it's pretty sad, though. Yeah, I tell you the that whole thing, like I was saying with the gym about teaching discipline, being around people that aren't going to let you get away with being an asshole and not having consequences for it, I think is a massive thing that's missing from the world in general right now. And I, you're, uh, you're a better than man, man than me, man. I talked to to Wyman about it a few times, but. Like, you know, even doing this, I, yeah. you know, I started trying to do this for me, but there's people that'll just comment. I don't know who they are. They don't even have a real profile name or picture and yeah. they'll jump on and they'll start shit talking like me about like, oh, if you're a really Weidman's friend, you'd say this or because of you, like the economy and I can't buy a house and my mom's this. And I'm like, 
Well, and every time I go check the profile and it's like a guy with a bunch of like cats that don't have any hair or some shit like that. Yeah, you know? no, it's weird. It's like, I'm like you know, it bothers me still. I don't know. I'm always like, why does that bother me? Why do I give a shit? You know, I'm going to say zero. I, I'm going to say, yeah, no, nah, nah, it doesn't really uh, bother me. You know what I mean? I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of nothing it like, it's just, I, I don't get it though. I would love to, talk to these guys and just get like why why are you saying that like does that make you feel better or you know it just happened again with uh the comms at why it comes that called out wideman oh I yeah yeah was, i think i said it was a good fight some fucking i just went fucking nuts like <laughs> the fuck's a matter i mean like all right <laughs> that, that makes you feel better good for you man that's yeah. it that's cool you know people are stupid though like even i remember when Whiteman got his black belt and people were like oh yeah he doesn't deserve that. I'm like, oh yeah, you know better than Henzo Gracie and Matt Serra who were giving yeah, this right. black belt jackass. Like, you never even yeah. changed. What's the matter with you? But you know, so uh, but but Weidman, another thing is the the Silva stuff, you know, and he I remember both of you guys were so confident in him winning that fight, and it, it was amazing just to see. And you know, touching on that first, I do want to ask because one of the things I remember most that I, I think people who don't train don't realize, but they see people get leg kicked. And I don't like everybody thinks like when you're fighting, I don't want to get punched in the face. I'd rather get hit in the face 50 <laughs> times in a row than take two or three leg kicks in the same, like that shit. Like, yeah. you know, I, I got hit. I got whatever, yeah. you know, a couple of times we smacked heads, got yeah. concussions. Yeah. Didn't really feel it, you know, like, but <laughs> with the legs, you feel yeah. them for three fucking weeks. You know, I, I, yeah. it was just, Oh, you ain't getting up out of it. You yeah. You're not getting out of a chair. I think, you know, it's worse. This, I don't have experience with the leg kicks. I've had my, my leg bruised from my kneecap to my ass a bunch of times. It is a shit. I mean, like I'm talking the whole leg black and blue, but I, what I'm not, what I've never really experienced those calf kicks. And that, that looks like it's worse. Somehow we kind of got immune to the finally got, you know, where you could take those leg kicks, you know, above the knee. I, those calf kicks are killing people at this point, you yeah, know, yeah. but you know, even getting back to Weidman too, you know, it's funny because I, I even forgot this and I'm looking at, you know, I'm like guys grew up together, but you know, oh, yeah, all yeah. those, all those stories when I used to quiz you and you would talk <laughs> about some of this stuff about his father beating up that dude, I'm collecting info. You yeah. know, so like so I say, like when I'm talking to him, I'm trying to piece everything together. So you were, you might not know you were a big help. And fill uh -huh. in the blanks with a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I got a better feel for his brother and their relationship and you know that type of stuff. And I think that all goes into I think that's the first thing you have to take the time to understand the people you're training. You know, it's like uh it's like having a conversation, the guy never shuts the fuck up. All he's doing is is you can't get a word in, you know what I mean? You so the guy's not listening to you, he's talking at you, and you know, you have to, you know, take the time to really hear people out and see where they're coming from, because sometimes they're totally different than what you think they are, you know, but if you never took the time to sit there and have a nice conversation, you're never going to know, you know? So the more info you have on some of that stuff, I think is the, is better, especially when you're training people, because they might not want to, you know, do certain things based on certain things that have happened to them or, or something like that. So everything meshes together at the end. Now I agree. So from, from the coach's side for both of those fights, it reminded me of the, um, you know, again, people don't like to give credit where it's due, but you know, that, that first fight was an amazing fight. Chris said, I'm going to give him a rematch. He did. And then the, the kicks I remember were being discussed. So the second fight, when he checked that kick and busted up his leg 
everybody, ah, what a fluke. And I love that Rogan immediately was like, hey, I was talking to Dan and her backstage at the first fight. And he was like, we took too many leg kicks. We're going to go back and we're going to address it. And I, I watched him train a lot for that. And I know that they were, that was something that was intentionally worked. And then yeah. the second it happened, it was like, oh, that was an accident. But from the coaching side, you know, that's something you guys train for. And I like that when Rogan said it, it gave it validity and it, it finally got some of the attention it deserved for the, the strategies you guys had there. But going into that situation again, how much did prepping Matt for that St. Pierre shocking the world thing play into how you guys handled the second time with Chris? Was it, you know, how do the experiences kind of tie in together from a coaching's perspective? Yeah, well, to, for, let me get, you know, it's funny that you're bringing that up because I'm already reverting back to, you know, so I got Matt had the biggest upset in UFC history, right? Then he loses the rematch to St. Pierre. And, you know, like, again, he had to cancel out of the fight with Matt Hughes. He would have fought Hughes instead of, I think, the rematch at that time. But then St. Pierre had beaten Matt, remember, around Christmas time. But Matt had that back injury. I never saw the guy injured before. He was totally out, laid out. So, you know, even the training for that fight, I'm, I'm not, uh, please, I'm not taking nothing away from anybody, but he was, he told me, I'm fighting this fight, injured or not. So we worked around the injuries, and that's always never a good thing, you know, which uh, I've done a lot in my career with people. Uh, but to what we were just talking about, it's like Weidman beat Silver. And then, you know, I suck because, you know, Matt beat St. Pierre, but he didn't defend again. You know, I couldn't even hold it, you know, like again. So they're going into that. So now in my, in my head, I, I, will, I will I will say this. I did think about that. Like, Holy crap. Weidman loses. It's going to look bad. Like this motherfucker. Like I want to have this sit in my head. Like, you know what I mean? So thank God he wins that rematch and then he defends it a couple of times. So we eliminate that. But I think again, that type of talk just motivated the shit out of me, like to prevent that from happening again. But I think the difference with that too is, man, he, I was at the press conference, man. Weidman, I, he looked like he was even uninjured. <laughs> he was <laughs> born after he beat Anderson Silver. He's sitting up, yeah, I'll give him a rematch. Like it was nonchalant. And yeah, let's do it. You know, he didn't even care. So he was at such a good space in his head during those years. Like, dude, nobody was beating that guy. Hey, that guy was, he was a beast, man. When he was on, he was a beast, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I would love to get him back on track, you know, but look, man, and this is good for like even business. You're going to get kids. You're going to buy houses. I mean, things change, you know what I mean? So you do have to learn how to change with them. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but it, nothing stays the same. So, you know, it's, it's really how you're going to address all the changes that are going to come from that point on. And again, that's a lot, man. That's a lot to deal with. You got people throwing money at you. You have this, you have that, you know, even the, your kids are going to be a priority now, you know, instead of, you know, maybe hitting the gym, whatever it is. But, uh, but when he was on, when he was coming up and he was hungry, I'm saying that guy was unbeatable. He was, or he, or it was going to be a problem. He was, he was he was good, man. So the fact that he gave Silver that rematch right away, I thought just was pure confidence. And he was he was sure he was gonna beat him again. So they could say whatever the hell they want, but you're right. He did work the uh checking the kicks, and, and that is a that is talk about Kali at the beginning. That's that's called the destruction in Kali. We, you know, look, even when you're checking kicks, the higher up on your leg, the better, right? So you always want to meet the lowest part of that guy's leg with the highest part of your leg. And that's a bad check. But when the knee is flexed, right, it's very protected, and you could run a, a two-by-four into that, you're going to be fine. 
And that's what happened, man. He hit a flexed knee. And I had done it to somebody in the past where I broke their leg with shin guards on. Mancini? Is, yeah, man. Poor Mancini. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was fucking, you know, Mancini was a fucking strong kid, too. Oh, and we had shin pads, shin pads on. And I mean, he whacked me once. And I was like, man, motherfucker, man. Holy <laughs> shit. And I just, you know, like, again, we did have shin pads. So I didn't think anything was going to happen. I was really just working my technique, not to hurt him. But, man, I flexed my knee. And he bounced off that thing and had a spiral fracture on his, he was in the cast for like two months, you know, which uh, obviously made me feel shitty, but uh, the shit works, you know what I mean? So uh, if you catch it right, and that's what Weidman did, man, that was a bad break, you know, Mancini's didn't break like that. He, I think it was called a spiral fracture, but he went down. Like he hit my leg, he spun around until he hit the turnbuckle. And I think he just, <laughs> you know, and we thought it was his back. That was the worst place. I, I, my back, you know, so we had to drag him out of the ring. And then I put it, we, I got him an ice pack for his back. It was, it was his shin, but I guess it went all the way up uh, at the time. I don't know. So Man, he's, he's a funny guy. He, I think he told me he had to like crawl to a phone and call Sherry. Or something like that from like a landline. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I let no, no. Well, I think I caught a lot of Chris. <laughs> this is all, I caught a lot of criticism because I had to get out of the gym, so I left him on the floor <laughs> with an ice pack. But so if he crawled, he, my office wasn't far from there. He crawled. I think that's the other funny part. A lawyer that I used to train came in with her kids, and she ended up dropping the phone by accident on his shin. <laughs> you, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> And he ended up working for her like two years later. I, I, just a weird coincidence. She was a real estate attorney, Donna Levine, man. She dropped the phone on the guy. <laughs> He's like, man, the guy's screaming. But yeah, I think he did have to crawl for a phone because whatever I had to do was an emergency. I'm sure. <laughs> but I remember walking back into the gym at night and everybody was looking at me. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what do you, do you know? What happened? I had no clue. They go, man, oh, we'd seen he had to get a cast. His shit. I was like, wow. You know, then, of course, they took it. Like, I didn't give a shit. I love me. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I, didn't, I just left him there with a broken shin and, le- you know, went about my business. Now, it wasn't, it, it could look like that, but it definitely wasn't that. Yeah. Now, I, people who know you, I think know better. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned real estate. You can't mention real estate without talking about Raging Al. So yeah. the, the Khabib fight, um, you know, I was doing a, an event in California. And I remember I got everybody on stage and I was telling, I mean, the goosebumps and the electric of like, man, Matt had the biggest upset in sports betting history. And like, I think it was 10 years to the night. And they're like, just no, I'm everything you, was the, lined up, man. I'm saying, man, I got to tell you, I did not know that myself. And I, I started like thinking like, holy shit, this shit's going to happen. Because I, yeah. when they started telling me all of that crap, I was like, wow, this is crazy. I, I was blown away by that. Uh, I'm I'm literally but, getting goosebumps just like yeah. talking about it now, man. I mean, what he did in that fight is, I don't I, I don't know how anybody could look at that and go, that's not amazing. You know what I mean? You talk about not wanting to give anybody credit. I mean, trained for a three round fight against a. You see what the guy's mangling people. Everybody, they they submit him. He's Nah, he couldn't do it, man. Al, Al, Al's a tough motherfucker, man. And he went in there and he didn't give a shit. Again, he fought that guy. And, I mean, the problem was after those first two rounds, he just couldn't get his punches together because his arms were dead. He just wasn't training for that type of fight. 
and he was still pushing forward. You know what I mean? So, and he had his moments and he stuffed takedowns and I think he made it interesting. You know what I mean? And uh, man, hats off to him, you know? No, he definitely did. And I think finally at this point, people are starting to say what a great job Al did instead of Khabib was yeah. off that night because he's, you know, he's, he's killing everybody. It's, yeah, it's off or not, not, he's never he's never been off before. So I mean, that pretty coincidentally, he's off on one night. But I I don't believe that. I think I would have loved to see now with a full training camp, just go at it again. And uh, you know, look, when you're trying to submit somebody and it ain't working, you don't want to expend the energy either. You know what I mean? So he had a look. Khabib gave it up to him. But that's what he said. He's the real gangster. I think, like again, that's a guy that speaks from his heart, and he he believes that there was a lot of respect between both guys and they look, they saved the card and they gave the people a great fight. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and, you know, Al's a, Al's a fighter's fighter, you know, everybody respects him. He, he, again, he's one of those guys who I I think people confuse the shit he does with him not caring. Whereas he's always like, no, I, I care more than anybody. That's why you see me so emotionally invested in it. But I, I love that he actually did the opposite. I think not that earlier before that fight, he was on Helwani or something like that. And they were like, Hey man, like, what about fighting Khabib? And he was like, fuck that. He's like, I'm not fighting that guy. Did you see what he did to this guy and this guy? You know how much you would have to pay me? And then all of a sudden they're like, you want to fight him in three hours? And he's like, where do I sign? Like, it's the yeah. opposite of everybody else who talks all this shit about everything they're going to do and then doesn't do it. He's the guy sitting in the background that will literally fight like anybody, anywhere, any place, man. Like, can't teach that shit. You have that or you don't. And I, it's, it's, it's exciting to watch, man, you know? And how's it, let me ask you, let me flip it back on you. How's it feel? that you got him and Aljo started in real estate and how good they're doing. How's it feel? Come on. That's a big, that's a big thing. No, no, I'm excited. It's, you know, it's always good to, to have some sort of, you know, some, something to do with something that people are doing well with it, that they're excited about. I definitely, you know, I'm happy for that, but I, you know, I I think I was talking to you about it with the, the amount of people that call and ask and they want to get involved and they want to do something, but they don't really want to put the work in and they don't, they don't really, you know, they'll ask you a question, then they fall by the wayside. They don't do it. Whereas like Al was like, hey, dude, like I'm going to show up at this thing. And then he did. And then he showed up at the next thing. And then Al oh, yeah, came yeah, with yeah. Them, and they were on the phone and they were calling contractors and they're making offers like, you know, which something you you taught me, which I'll talk about again. But, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And guys like that that are going to put in the hard work, they have the discipline, they have the work ethic, they have the drive. They don't give a fuck about anybody thinking that they're a failure or anything like that. They're going to come in. And those guys are going to do great with anything they want to do, whether it's fighting or real estate or, you know, whatever, whatever they want to be on dancing with the stars or some shit. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm always happy to help somebody who's willing to take the steps to help themselves. Yeah. So and the super, fact that super, doing that, I think it's great, man. Yeah. Super proud, man. They each owned like three houses now. Yeah. You know, I'll just yeah. bought, I don't even know if you know, he just bought another house. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, what, what I, I do sometimes is if I, if I'm seeing something new, or I'm working on something new and I, I remember, I just forget a lot, but, I'll, I'll just video some shit I'm doing and I'll send it over to Al and I'll be like, dude, here's what I'm working on here. And like, you know, when he remembers, so we'll get on the, I probably talk to him maybe once a month or something like that, nice. just about kind nice. of what we're working on, what we're doing. And dude, I tell you, you would have never been more, well, I mean, I shouldn't say never been more proud, but you guys would have been real proud of him in Hawaii, man, when he got up and he talked in front of all those investors and the way when he, you know, he's kind of shy at first and then he jumped up and he's yeah, like, you know, my name's Al, number eight, like ranked lightweight. And the, Everybody yeah. got up, dude. People were coming out of their dinners, asking him for autographs, families. The resort, dude, was such a great guy. There was people. I guess the yeah. hotel we were staying at was a like a nice hotel, and the staff's not allowed to bring their phones or their cameras because I guess you know, like celebrities, whoever stays there. But people yeah, yeah, were yeah. following him around, 
And they were like, man, I'm so like, I, I wish I could take a picture. And I would be like, dude, two o'clock in the morning. I don't care. Here's my room number. You show up. I'm going to take a picture with you so you can send it to you. Like fucking good guy, man. Like, yeah, really that, good that, guy. I mean, that, that's just great to see and great to hear. I mean, that's, I don't know, but I love those stories, man. But, uh, yeah, they, they just, look, you gotta be grateful for whatever you have. You really do. And these guys have a, a they, They've had, look, Aljo's got the opportunity. He's fighting for a, a world title. It, it's a life-changing fight. You know, Al fought for a world title. Look, win or lose, man, to have four guys fight for a world title in the biggest organization in the world is fucking tremendous to me. Tremendous. You know, like, again, I could have went out and recruited a thousand people. I really, I know I could. I hear people ask me. I, you just can't do it. Like, I, if I was going to give uh, attention away from a kid from the neighborhood that's got a shot at doing something that would, that would bother me. You know what I mean? And I'd rather keep it small. Again, I have this, this conversation happens once every two weeks <laughs> with Matt. We're happy. Just, we love the guys we're in the corner of. That's the difference. We love it. And when that stops, it's time to stop. Yeah. It shows you, you got a little bit more time. I didn't realize yeah, yeah, yeah. Skipping through this. Yeah. I got some other yeah. stuff. I want to, uh, you know, speaking of guys, COVID, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I want to keep it positive, yeah. but fucking man, poor Frivola. That guy's yeah. last fight, me, me and Al, me and Al were in Hawaii when he fought Violent Bob Ross. And man, what an amazing fight that that yeah. was. He's an, another guy that's really exciting to fight. I went out and I trained a little bit at a Royals place out there. Those guys were great. Um, so nice. really, I like watching fight, but uh, yeah, for, a, Frivola really got a big deal. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you guys. something, you know, Man, for Roller and Billy Q, before they were in the UFC, they came to the gym. They I did a private with them. And it just that Billy Q is, you know, he's he's infectious too. He's just a great kid, you know. And Favola's another good guy. But, you know, I just saw him the other day. He came back because, you know, he broke his foot. But any fight that he was supposed to fight that doesn't happen, his opponent actually gets mauled in the first round. I go, you're putting a <laughs> You're putting a jinx on these poor guys. <laughs> Roosevelt Roberts, a guy got fucking hammered. And the other guy, uh, Camacho. I mean, these are tough guys. They they slaughtered in like one right. I go, you put the Frivola Hex on them. You know what I mean? Like as soon as he's out of the fight, these guys have no shot, no matter who they're fighting. <laughs> I mean, I think Roberts fought a guy of 45 coming up, the first fight in the UFC, you know? Yeah. Well, I remember you said um – when I think when we came back from the uh, the first seminar that Alan Al went to, and you were like, "Hey man, like, what what's the secret? Like, what's what's the real story? Like for people, like how are they successful?" And I remember saying, "Like, you know, if if people go in and they're they're willing to put the work in, and they're going to have bad weeks, bad months, maybe bad years, but they're going to stick with it, and they're going to show up, and you know, same type of shit. I'm sure you see every day with people coming in saying, you know, I want to lose weight, or I want to I want to fight, or I want to be in the UFC." If they're not willing to put the work in, which everybody, you know, I remember Matt said this. He's like, man, everybody wants to be the guy who's going into the bars and the guys want the autographs and all the girls yeah. want to bang them. And but they forget yeah. that a few times a year, you got to fight a guy on TV in a cage. They don't want right. to do that part. They don't want to train. They just and I feel like it's the same thing with anything. People want the rewards of it, but they don't want to put the work in to get there. And you were like, man, there's no secret sauce. It all just yeah. comes down yeah. to showing up and putting the work in. Are you still getting a lot of the guys? Because I remember when I was first coming down there around that time, it seemed like every day some knucklehead was coming in. Nah. Going, I got 400 street fights. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. fight nah. in the UFC. Is that, not is that as, stopped? Not, not as much as it. No, it, it, <laughs> I'm going to say it stopped. Those, those days, it was every week. You're right. But getting back to your other thing, you are what you consistently consistently do. And I'm going to say I, I in the last couple of years, 
I'm really consistency, man. You have to be consistent. You know what I mean? And the guys that are consistent will always outdo the guys that are inconsistent. Uh, I'm definitely, definitely a believer in that. But back to your other thing, man, those guys that used to walk in, <laughs> damn, they were bizarre. I, I, I'm one guy, do you have any pedigree at all? No, nothing. I go, dude, you know how hard that's going to be, though, man? Yeah. You're fucking 51 years old and you got to start wrestling. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but you know what I'm saying? I think it's like it doesn't end. Like uh, uh, street fights, you know, you know, many of those poor fucking slobs never had a chance in that street fight that shouldn't even have been fighting. Like that's when you're a tough guy, you know, when you when you go across the ring of the octagon from another tough guy, you know what I mean? Not not a guy that you know, is talking shit at the end of the bar. You know what I mean? That's not the guy, you know, but when you get another guy who doesn't give a fuck who you are, that's another tough guy. And then you figure again, you find out who the tough guy is, you know? And, uh, you know, I think that's what Matt talks about. It's, it's not everybody. Look, everybody loves taking a picture, signing an autograph, having the notoriety. Look, I love it, but I'll tell you one thing. When I started, that's the last thing that was on my mind. I, I see when guys walk in and that's, what they want from the beginning before they even had one fight never happening, never going to make it. You know what I mean? So you have to, you know, you just have to do what you love to do and everything else will follow. Like I told Chris, you know, back in the day, just keep winning fights. That's all you have to do. Keep winning. Everything else will follow. If you put the, the uh, cart before the horse, you're, you're fucking, you're screwing yourself up, man. And like you say, those guys want that. They, I, and they don't want to put the work in. But what's worse is when they tell you they want that. Like, uh, I had a guy uh, who was like a, a, a sports like hypnotist. And there was a guy we knew. And, you know, uh, he asked him what, you know, like, why are you doing this? The guy said to be on the cover of a magazine. I'm like, really? I go, that, that sums it up, man. That sums it up. That That's a guy... You know, they use, look, all sporting teams use psychologists, psychiatrists to, to read people coming in because some guys, there's no helping them. You know what I mean? They could have all the talent in the world, but an answer like that will take you right down the drain. That's a, I'm telling you, that's a fact. You know what I mean? We always say that, that the octagon doesn't lie. You know, who what you do in that octagon is who you are in life. You know what I mean? And look, Nick, I'm not, like, again, I've always loved you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even think I helped you as much as you say I did, you know, because the <laughs> shit was so busy. But all the, the interactions, I always say, like, when you're texting me, man, I love that. I really do. I mean, I, I love it. I know it's sincere. But look, you know, you have a handicap. You got in there. You know, that's who you are, man. You're not letting nothing stop. Your Golden Gloves, MMA fight. If you don't think, like, I don't look at that and go, man, that, that's a guy with a set of fucking balls who he's not letting nothing stop him, man. That, that, you see, Nick, that's balls. You know what I mean? To me, over what, what you might think I think it is. You know what I mean? And I just want to say, you know, that's what I say. I mean, I wish I could have did way more for you because, I, you know. I feel like you did a ton, man. Don't yeah, say yourself you know, short. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's just, whatever. It's just, But I always love hearing from you. Those texts mean a lot. And uh, I'm like, like this. When I heard you do the podcast, I'm like, well, this one, he talks well. I was like, I was, you know, like, I was so happy. Like, I wasn't like, I was surprised, but like, I'm just happy. Like, the, it's such a great podcast. Like, and it's not a, a fugazi, like, you know what I mean? So, oh, you, thanks, see the passion. you know what I mean? Like, I was, yeah. I was like, man, I got to get on there, man. I, I really, you know, I, I, I love what you're doing. And 
like again, I love what you 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 walk the walk, you talk the talk, walk the walk, and this is why you're successful. I try, man. You know, but again, it, I I think it goes a lot to just surrounding yourself with people. You know, that's yeah. just everybody yeah. you look around. You know, we, I remember. Do you remember um, when? Uh, by the way, let me just back up. The first two when I started this podcast, the first two people that I wanted to have on more than anybody were you and Matt. And I just yeah, didn't yeah. want to bother you guys. And then nah, I just felt like it, it in. when you finally called me, you were like, ah, like, I, so I don't want you to think that I didn't ask you sooner. You were like at the time. Nah, I was talking long, like, no, no, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm tr trying to trust me. I'm not that guy. You know, that, I, that. I appreciate it. I, appreciate I, I would that. do this thing anytime you want, especially if, you know, if it's any type of help. You know, <laughs> nah, this is great, man. Thing, you're you're yeah. very requested. Everyone's like, get Longo yeah. on. But do you remember, uh, when Al fought or sparred for the first time at your gym, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, Costas, you were there. Were you yeah, there well, so I was there. So Costas was fucking with me for the whole week before, and he was going, "Dude, he's like, how many fights you have?" And I think at that time I had like two. And he's yeah. like, oh, "How much you weigh?" And I was like, "Oh," and he was like, "I'm gonna have you spar with my friend Ally Aquinta." And I'm like, "Well, what does he weigh? How many fights does he have?" He's like, "Oh, like you know, I think he's got like 22." <laughs> like how much your fights or something oh, yeah. like that. And he, so he's telling me, he's like, you're going to come in at this day at this time and you're going to spar with them. And I was like, all right, yeah, no problem. Dude, I was, I was fucking nervous. And I walked in there and I seen Alan there. And like, I was hanging out with Johnny Eubanks and Al Jordan. And they were like, right. you don't want to spar Iaquinta. And I was like, fucking Costas has already set it up. I have to. And I walked in and I remember I was jumping rope and you walked up to me and you were like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm here to spar. And you're like, with who? And I was like, Ally Quinta. And you were like, oh, God. no, you're not. Who told you that? And I was like, Casas. And he's fucking laughing. He thinks, oh, yeah. he sent me, he's like, oh, you're not going to do that. And I was like, oh, thank God. And then he got in and, uh, and uh, he sparred with that thing. That, and that was one of the greatest. Sardaropolis. Yeah, holy that's shit, that's when, I, that's when I fell in love with him. But I tell you, Costa's a motherfucker, man, because <laughs> he don't think he didn't do that. He brought down a kid from uh, Belmore. I can't think of his name. Threw him in with Al. It was like bully beatdown. Oh, oh yeah, Costa's like going to like, oh, you want to fight? Oh yeah, he was a, he was he was horrible. Costa. <laughs> Al beat the crap out of the guy. I go out. Like yeah, you got to stop. Man. Like what the hell? Uh, he did it for like I don't know why. Al was a young kid. He probably wasn't more than nineteen or twenty. Oh, he might have been a little older than that, but he wasn't. Uh, you know, obviously we were still in that other gym, so it was a long time ago. But Costa did do that to people. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Uh, who was the guys you mentioned? Al Jordan, man, what a nice, what a good guy he was. That was a, that's a name from the past. And the other kid that, the, the kid that was in the army that you always, uh, Marine, yeah, John, Johnny Eubanks. Yeah, was that, what a, he was a good, I do remember him distinctly, man. He had some funny Costa stories too. Oh yeah, yeah. He was a great guy. He's a big fan of you, man. He liked you a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh. Good stuff, man. You bring him back. Man, those are the old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I don't. I don't want to keep you too late. I know it's getting late over there, but I, just a few more things I want to go yeah. with you. One is, uh, I, I noticed early on that the way you run your gym like a business instead of like a fighter's gym. You know, you you see it more now a little bit. I think it's a little bit more obvious with like with the the Gracie guys are doing out there in Torrance. And but I came from a boxing gym that literally like the turnover rate was you hit the bag for a couple of days and then you spar with the trainer and he beats the shit out of you. And if you yeah. come back, you're in, but yeah. like, you know, there was like three of us there. Cause nobody yeah. ever 
you know, that's not how you retain a business. And I remember coming yeah. into your gym, even with a couple of fights behind me, and you were still like, no, 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 you're going to take classes and then you do some lead hand sparring, then you yeah. do some body shots. And there was yeah. a process to work your way in. And I remember thinking like, that's why you have all these people that stay. And I think there's a huge misconception still that if you're going to come to law MMA, oh. trainer Ray Longo's, that it's because you want to be a fighter. And I, I don't yeah. think most people realize that when you're coming in, I remember you told me, you were like, if somebody's coming in here, I'm going to protect them at all costs until they yeah. say that they want to fight. And now I have yeah. to handle them a lot different. But was that a learning curve when you first opened it to have to learn how to have a little bit of a different outlook to run it as a business and then to handle the fighters a different way and to spot who was coming in and, and somebody you wanted to put time into and somebody who yeah, was just yeah. here? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I had a lot of good instructors. So, I mean, most of that stuff is being passed down from the G Kondo guys, believe it or not. But I was, I love that lead hand sparring because you take away that missile. So, even if a guy gets hit, it's not going to be that, you know, that shot where it's going to be life changing if you've never been hit yet. You know what I mean? So, learn how to get hit with a jab and learn your defense, you know. And I think everybody should have a great jab. So, it, it's got a lot of benefits. But and then you start adding in stuff slowly but surely. But it it really look if you just throw two guys in there, what do you think that do you think there's gonna they're gonna throw a jab? <laughs> no, they just you know it's a it's a it's a hockey fight. That's what's gonna happen, you know. So I love that way. And then you could see who's gonna help people, who's who's a prick, who's not a prick. Uh, like again, the what you're doing, the way you act in there is the way you're gonna act everywhere. So you know. Yeah, I'm thinking of a couple of guys. I don't even want to mention names, but, you know, let's go with 30%. You know, one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, you know what I, mean? yeah. I remember me and Mikey yeah. Isis have a story because, I mean, you could read between the lines on this. But <laughs> I remember going to the guy, you know what, let me let me just, because this is, you know, 30% or 50%. I go, let's just go 100%. I just want to see what 100 There's no difference. You know what I mean? You can't get, you know, like, you know, but in this guy's head, he'd swear not it's 30%. You know what I mean? But let's just, if that's the case, I want you to go 100%. Never any difference, you know? So, yeah. you know, those are guys that you got to be careful of because they're never going to see it the right way. It's always going to be everybody's against them and they're holding, you're holding them back and all of that <laughs> stuff. But there's a lot of observation that goes on when, you, when you're coaching and, you know, you're, you're watching people, you know, behave. Because, look, everybody's going to placate you at a certain point. But, you know, when you're getting hammered or hit in the head or, you know, that look, that's that's pressure. You know, like, again, speaking in front of a crowd, they say is pressure. No, it's pressure. Having a guy across the ring from you is trying to decapitate you. That's pressure. <laughs> so if you could if you could relax and handle that type of pressure, I'm going to say, trust me, everything else will seem like it's it's pretty easy. Because to me, that's real pressure. You know what I mean? Where your life, you know, your your faculties are on the line. Oh but, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we, I don't know if I segued into that, but but the uh, the uh, I don't know where the hell I even went on that. But uh, uh, you you're bringing up names and people. I'm going back to you know stories. But uh, but but basically, you have to observe everybody. And it was a it was a planned way for me to get to look at people and see who's got you know the right attitude not even technique just attitude you know what i mean and it, it's always worked out but I, I always loved that yeah i remember uh freaking fokker one day me and him were in there and yeah. he steps on my foot and just cracks me right in the face with a cross and then yeah. he turns around you walked in and he's like hey i tried that move you showed me you were like that was something you do for guys like muggy in an alley not something you're supposed yeah, to do with your buddy who's half your eyes well, well, well listen <laughs> fokker was fokker was a prick <laughs> 
every dirty thing you could do in jujitsu, he was doing. You know what I mean? He'd be sticking his <laughs> fucking thumb behind your ear in that pressure point while he's waiting. Paco was he was a piece of work. He loved it. I remember he was like, yeah. he was like, he was like, oh, can I coach here? You're like, do you want to coach or do you just want to hurt people? He's like, no, nah, I just like hurting people. He's like, nah, yeah, nah, he like, yeah, yeah. He, he was good with the wrestling, man. He helped Luke out a lot with the wrestling. You know, I remember, I remember that. Man, we go, but you know, you, 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 but see, talking to you, man, I'm like, holy shit, man, I've been doing this shit forever. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I got didn't help. it to you, but I just found my, uh, my, my sign up sheet from when I first signed up at your gym. You don't, tell me what year. you don't tell me what year it was. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Herrick's Road. You know, it was over there. Was, oh, wow. No, what? You were on Herrick's Road? Yeah, yeah. I was taking those classes in that room with Patton and uh, Maloney and Drew and Baraloff and all those oh, guys, man. The beat was just starting out. Lou Kumo was, was helping me out. Wow. With stuff there. I, didn't, I, I swear to God, I didn't even think you went back that far. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Holy crow. That's crazy. Oh man, because I tell you, every time you mention the name, my brain goes to like I had some <laughs> funny stories with Fokker and Dell at one fight. I'm not gonna get into it, but uh, you know, Nikki was throwing Nick Nikki was throwing a temper. They left me for dead with that guy. I was like, <laughs> these, guys, these guys suck. They ran out of the fucking room. Those two guys, it was Luke was fighting Stevenson, man. It was crazy, but uh I don't know. <laughs> good old, good old times, Nick. I tell you, I'm glad uh, man, you don't realize, you know, sometimes I just called a guy for something. He was just so excited to hear from me. I used to teach him and I needed, uh, you know, to get some insurance or something for like that. But there's so many people. That's one of my biggest regrets. I, I just can't, I, you can't maintain everything. Like even after Weidman wins a championship, I'm on to Al's fight. You don't even have time to sit there and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. sometimes it, it's good when we have these conversations just to reflect on some of the stuff because, man, I'm just you're always moving. You're moving on to the next thing. You know what I mean? And same same thing, like so many things have changed in the gym. Or, you know, like when you were in there at the other gym, all those guys that were coming up, all those guys you fought with that night in Jersey, like I, I don't even know all of them. But, I mean, think there was some – what about the guy with the red hair? Wasn't he that night? Red, red know, yeah. Yeah, right. He was out of his freaking mind. What was where's he right now? I don't know, know, man. But you remember freaking uh the, the duck, your your oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 don't even uh, I, I want to keep this, I want to keep this positive. Yeah, he left everybody, he left everybody for dead. He didn't stick around to support <laughs> anybody. Yeah. See, that shit doesn't go on. That's what I'm saying. They they think nobody's looking at that. And no, that's a big character flaw, man. You know what I mean? Even the first, the first amateur MMA card I did when uh that that sandbagger guy with Bam Bam. Oh and wow! Being like, man, I, that's the kind of shit where somebody gets their ass beat in the parking lot after. That's that's not cool. Let me tell you something, man. I'm, I don't know where the hell I was. I want to say New Mexico. I had an early flight. I get on the there's a bus, and um, you know, I get on the bus to go back to the airport after the fight. Aljo at port, I think, and um, it's just me and another guy. He's a Russian guy. And we're talking, man. I go, wow, what a nice guy. We're talking and we keep talking. And he's, you know, he goes, yeah, I'll give you my business card. And I look at the card. It's the fucking guy Bam Bam fought. Holy shit. And then we start, I go, you motherfucker, man. I can't believe that. Because he really was, at this point, a nice guy. 
Uh, you know, like again, I, like, and then we talked about that. I'm telling you, we talked about it too because I go, holy shit, he's a talented guy. He's a tough guy. That guy, right? He was coaching somebody. That was it. He became a coach, and I oh, think, he okay. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. I think it was Ozzy Dugalowski or whatever. Yeah, he he fucking Bam Bam, man. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll never forget that. Bam Bam, what a tough bastard, man. Yeah. He overcame that adversity and then he won against uh well, like you say, a guy that was already a champion in Russia and Bam Bam. What do you have? One fight, if even, or that was his I, debut? I think it was his first fight. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it was me, him, and Big Jim. It was like our first. Our first oh, fight. man, Big Jimmy bringing up another great guy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You don't mention that guy's name. I'm not even thinking about what a nice guy he was, man. Dude, that crew uh, was great. It was some, some of the best times yeah. of my life. Was yeah, no, those, those, were good, those were good times, man. Those really were great times. Yeah, Jim was Jim was awesome, man. What a good guy. Holy <laughs> shit, man. You're killing me. You're killing me today. It's a good group. It's a good group. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. Moving on to some UFC stuff. I know you got you to get to bed at a decent hour, but a couple of quick questions I had is, yeah. what do you think now as far as, uh, you know, you've, you've been there with huge crowds and you've been there with no crowds. Uh, what do you like better? Uh, I always love the ambiance of a crowd. I really do. But I think it's really up to the guys. I mean, the funny part is, you know, when you're coaching now, the whole room hears you. That's why I say even after Weidman's fight, Shelby said that because you could hear everything. You know, Marab was fighting. His corner says something. I start laughing and going, really? You know, like I'm talking to the other corner. Yeah. Like, you really think the guy's getting tired? Like, are you kidding? You know, so it, it's good for that. And because, you know, me and Matt are so vocal, you know, like half the times they think Matt's, uh, he's the guy with the mic on. He's so loud. It's it's me. And he, but he, you can't slow him down at all. You know, he doesn't need a mic. So I think it's good because, uh, I mean, I look, I like the crowd. The other part is that everybody can hear everything. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's really up to the fighters that what, what they like. It, it doesn't affect me coaching because it's very similar to when me and Matt did the show. We used to do those fights at the UFC center when nobody was there. So every, every it's, the only thing is everybody could hear you. I don't know if that's like, again, if that helps, but it's not changing one, one bit of what I do. Like I'm going to do what I do with a crowd or without a crowd where it gets crazy is the time Matt Ford GSP, the second time in um, Toronto and um, uh, Montreal, that crowd, were you there for that? Yeah, I was there for that. The crowd was the crowd. Was that surreal? That crowd was deafening. He could not hear no coaching, not even in the corner. We were screaming just face to face. That's how overwhelming that crowd was. So for then, it's a problem because you can't, you really can't coach right. So this is the complete opposite. It's yeah. very, you see, look, go back and look at Marab's fight. We're all talking in the corner. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's pretty cool that way. I think for the fans, it's good because if they like listening to the corners, then it's really good. Yeah, it's cool. What, what do you think they should do with the 155 division now, man? I, I'd love to see a, uh, a tournament. I'd love to see Iaquinta back in there, but uh, yeah. you know they got Chandler in there. They, I still think I think Tony Ferguson got fucking this whole thing. Yeah. But what do you, what do you think and they a, do now with 155? Look, they could easily do this. They could do. Uh, I think I, I think it's already set. Connor's fighting Poirier, so he fights Dustin. Gaethje fights Chandler, and the winner fights for the title. And again, Ferguson gets completely fucked. <laughs> I mean, I thought that poor guy, he needs good people around him. else he'll crack. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I, he's had some rough breaks, man. 
that was a, you know, I usually don't have a tough time watching fights, but that watching him, because somebody sent me the, that's one with no crowd. When you hear yeah. those shots, yeah. wow. from man, I was like, ah, that's, that's a rough one, man. That's when he should take what? some. Wasn't wasn't good, man. When he got hit, and his legs are stumbling, and he's hitting himself, and I don't know what he was doing. They saved him from himself, which was good. But uh, you're not going to last long like that, you know. I mean, that was a pro. That was a 25 minute beating, I think. You know. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. So, as far as our guys, though, so what what's coming up next for the team? I know you got uh, you guys got all kinds. I know it was Toka Wyman, Shemayev. You got Aljo coming up. We got. I think I saw James Gonzalez has got something coming yeah. up. You got Fabola coming up. Marab's coming up. What's coming yeah. up for Ray Longo and the team? Okay, so this week we're heading to Philly. We got Pumi uh, oh, cool. fighting. Uh, yeah, so which is great getting him back on track. There's a kid with a lot of talent. I know, uh, you know, like I talked to Aljo. Aljo always say if he doesn't do anything, he'll be very disappointed. Like, that's how talented Pumi is. Uh, I would really look out for him in the future. And we got Gonzalez headlining. So it's Thursday night. Pumi, uh, Gonzalez is the main event. And the following night, Pumi fights uh, on the next card. Then after that, and then Saturday night, Dylan Montello's fighting out in Florida. And then after that, I believe we have Nas and Pompos. And I want to say Dillip. I can't pronounce his name. They're on November 19th in Pennsylvania. And then we move right to Marab. December 5th, even though Stamen is out now, which I was looking forward to that fight because it would be a big step up for Marab. And then Aljo with the big fight, December 12th. So it's, it's starting to get busy again. Uh, and I'm glad some of the people don't have as strict rules because, you know, with the quarantine, you just, you have to you have to spend like an extra four days. It's hard. People don't really have the time and it's, it's getting crazy to juggle everything. But these next couple of fights will be in and out like I'm used to. And then I'll be able to concentrate on, you know, Marab and Aljo, which is good. Everybody, everybody looks like so far they're doing great. Nice. Nice. And I, you, yeah. you and I were talking a little bit before I started recording about how, how big fans we are of Aljo personally in the cage and out of the cage, the way he handles himself after a loss, the way he handles himself. Yeah. Well-spoken. He does things for the community. He's funny. I mean, that guy's yeah. going to be a great champion. I think he's great for the sport. I think he does uh, a lot of good things. And, the, man, the guy's freaking talented. I, I said it right. He was on the podcast right before the fight with Stamen, and I was like, man, coming from a guy who's rolled with you, I've trained with tons of people all over the country. It's different when you're rolling with Aljo. You think it's good. Hey, it's just another black belt. And then you, he does things different and you don't know how to defend right. it. And you think you got him and then he's got you. And I think he, he's, he's going to be a serious problem for anybody. He can wrap those freaking arms around. Oh, and great combination of wrestling and jujitsu from that guy. And again, he's got great squeeze strength and he's not afraid to go for it. So Aljo, I really believe is coming into himself really right at the right time. I mean, everything, that's what I say. So, look, he could have looked at that loss and got down on himself and went backwards. Man, he chose to learn from it, go forward. He's successful, his fights. He's had the best fights that he's ever had after that loss. And, like, again, I think this is a kid with momentum who's really, his confidence is through the roof for good reason. And uh, there's a couple of areas where, you know, Jan won't last if it if it goes there. You know what I mean? But Aljo can do it all. So he's, uh, I like what I hear from him. I think he's like, again, his confidence is right. His technique is awesome. His, I think his jujitsu is scary. 
I mean, oh, yeah. he's got to be one of the best, you know, jujitsu MMA guys in the UFC by far. And again, I think Stamen, look how many people Stamen beat and who he's beat. And Aljo just went in there. That thing was, he took him down and that was it. There was no, uh, that guy wasn't getting back up again. So yeah, Aljo, I think is in the right spot at the right time. And I feel very confident that he's going to do it. I'm looking forward to it, man. I wish they would allow crowds so I can go there, but we'll get there soon enough. Um, in closing, the last question I have for you is, if you had a time machine and somebody, a younger Ray Longo came up to you and asked you for advice right now, starting out, what advice would you give a younger you knowing what you know now? Man, I tell you, you know, be selfless because that's what it's going to take. And you're going to have to put, you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices you know, I do think, you know, I always tried to have balance, you know, with my family, but I'm going to say they took a no, look, everybody's great. Um, don't get me wrong, but I did have to, you know, I, it was, it was a win at all course attitude. And like, again, I did always, I was always aware of it. I always had balance, but you're going to have to be selfless and you're going to have to put the fighters before you at every step of the way going up. And uh, if you can do that and you're not looking for like what we talked about, you're not looking for fame you're not looking to, you know, sign an autograph. You're going to be fine. The second you start putting yourself as the priority before the fight is, you're going to fall flat on your face. Very well said. Well, I want to give a shout out to uh, Patton and to Doc Cherry. I haven't seen her in a little bit, but uh, yeah. everybody at your gym has always been really good to me, man. I know you don't think you played a, a big part, but uh, definitely as far as training and just being nice. a good person and, you know, being a man of my word. You and Matt have played a huge role in helping me, I think, be a better person overall. So I've appreciated you uh, keeping in touch with me over the years, helping me out and, you know, supporting me all along the way. So yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. I know I kept you pretty long. I know it's getting nah, late, but, nah, it's all, it's, man, but I really appreciate it. It's really great catching up. It's all good, man. We're never staying out of touch. You're a friend I for life. It. You really are. You're a friend for life. You have a great family, your brother, you know, your, your mom looks like an absolute sweetheart. Uh, just you come from good stock, and again, we were friends forever, buddy. Thanks, man. My brother did say to say hi. I don't want to leave that out. Uh, how do people find Ray Longo? How do they keep in touch with you? How do they find you? They want to find out when uh, Law MMA is coming back. Yeah, I would just stay on touch on Instagram, Ray Longo MMA. I think that's probably the easiest thing. And just remember, I'm not the best guy on social media, but I do try to get back to everybody. Fair enough. Well, I appreciate it, man. You have a great night. Tell everybody I said hello, and I'll I definitely, definitely stay will. in touch. A hundred percent, Nick. Really great. Congrats on everything, man. I'm really proud of you and just keep it going. Thanks, just man. You too. Looking forward to that third belt. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> can't wait. All right. Thanks, All right. Nick. Have a good night, Ray. Right, you too, buddy. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-482-0167. Again, text drummer to 833-482-0167 for your free drum lesson.